Hello and welcome to the Health Hacks podcast, the podcast for high-performing professional females looking for practical ways to optimize all areas of their health and wellness. At Health Hacks, we understand that as a busy female, you wear numerous hats throughout your working week. You're trying to juggle it all, while also looking to carve out time to prioritize your own goals. It's challenging. It's therefore our mission to channel your energy into the areas that are going to help give you the biggest bang for your buck, to really make significant changes to your lifestyle in the most efficient way possible. So at the moment, if you feel as though you need more energy, you want to feel more productive to improve the quality of your sleep, to lower stress, to increase confidence, to show up better in both your personal and your professional relationships, this podcast is for you. If it's time you prioritize your health, learn to fuel your body, found time for exercise, and said goodbye to fad diets and inconsistent behaviors for good, this podcast is for you. If it's time for you to step into the shoes of the high performer you know you can be, this is the right podcast for you. Join me and my guests as we take you through the Health Hacks podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Health Hacks podcast and today I'm sitting down with Angie Pilica to talk all things pregnancy and I want to say a special thank you from the outset to Angie for being so open and one of the reasons I got her onto the podcast so honest about her positive birthing experience. For me this episode was particularly insightful having not gone through the process myself of having had a baby it was really interesting to hear Angie's perspective. Eric at the time of recording was four months old so she was very very open to talking about how she'd found her experience as well as the practicalities for each and every one of us should we fall pregnant around adapting training and nutrition both throughout the pregnancy period and also postpartum and I'm saying that I found this episode really useful as someone who is not who is not pregnant um obviously if you are perfect timing to be tuning into this however for me, this was really useful to just gain a better understanding of, of the process and really what to expect. And again and again, we came back to two really big theme- themes. One was adaptability. So the ability that should things not be quote unquote perfect, the ability to adapt and, and continue on in a positive light and also preparation being prepared and and the best avenues to go down you know should pregnancy be something that is in your immediate or longer term future and i think adaptability and preparation are two themes that anyone looking to have a successful body composition or fat loss journey can relate to. So I really enjoyed this. I found it really useful. Everything that we mentioned in the podcast, Angie's own positive birthing story, there's a whole podcast on that. I'm going to link in the show notes below. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this recording with you. Before we jump into this episode, if you haven't already taken our health check review, where have you been? Because let's face it, we track a lot of data in our professional lives. Okay, we've got spreadsheets for everything. And sometimes we track in our personal lives too, whether it be our calories on an app like MyFitnessPal or our steps. But what about your overall 
health. What about bringing all of these components to give, together to give you an overall health score? And this is where the health check review comes in. It does exactly that. This series of evidence-based questions will take no more than 60 seconds of your day and will rate your performance over a number of arenas from formal exercise, movement, nutrition, and mindfulness to give you an overall score. And not only that, based on the data you provide, the health check review will then give you personalized feedback on the areas that you're currently strong in and those which potentially require a little bit more work. So this is perfect for you if you're starting out on your health and fitness journey, you'd like an additional score. You can then look to improve on these markers over a number of weeks, retake the test and see how you get on, or if you're someone who wants to pinpoint the areas of your life that perhaps need a little bit more attention, maybe you're looking to refine certain areas of your of your well-being. Since hosting this podcast and speaking to these uh, these experts that we've had on, I've certainly been doing that. Mindfulness being the one that's getting my attention at the moment. So the health check review will be linked in the show notes below. And of course, if you want to discuss the outcomes with myself or a member of the team, please don't hesitate to get in touch. And the last thing I'll say before we jump into today's episode is congratulations to anyone who signed up for our six week power challenge. This has commenced this week, the week of the 6th of February. We will be opening up another power intake. This one will be taking place in April. So if you did not participate in this uh, uh, batch of uh, power, but you're looking to do so in future, the next intake will be in April. We look forward to welcoming you then. Without further ado, let's sit down and enjoy this conversation with Angie Pilica to talk all things pregnancy. My guest today, I'm really excited to sit down and have this conversation with. Um, one, because we know each other very well by this stage, and I know she's going to give us a really honest appraisal of something that is without outside my area of expertise. And today I'm going to be talking to Angie about adapting training and diet around pregnancy. Uh, before I introduce the lady herself, I'd like to do a short introduction to this podcast. And I'm sure as part of your coaching, Angie, you've been doing a lot of mapping out of 2023 with your clients. And it is inevitable doing so and working with so many women that in our year, some of our clients will become pregnant if they are not planning to do so already. And for me, this was a huge opportunity to really gather some information regarding the pregnancy journey so that if you are someone who is is currently pregnant, fantastic, we couldn't have timed this better. But if you are also equally someone who is planning potentially on uh, embarking on or growing your family this year for me knowledge is absolutely power mm-hmm. and to be informed before going into into the journey I think is is really empowering and the reason I wanted to get Angie in particular on to discuss this is one because lovely Eric is um how many weeks old is he now Angie we're still talking mm-hmm. in weeks well actually it's now turning to months so he's 16 weeks which is four months so he's he was four months on monday which is just yeah blown by congratulations to both of you so he is uh, he's four months old so everything is still feels relatively new i suppose and your birthing story i've listened to your fantastic podcast on your positive birthing story um Mm. but my my reason for wanting to have this discussion with you is 
you are so honest. And I know in your podcast, you discuss how personal each pregnancy journey is and each birthing story is. However, I know that you will be completely transparent in the interests of equipping as many women as possible with as much knowledge as possible. So if we could zoom back slightly and give a short introduction to you, who you are, what you do and your pregnancy timeline. Sure. So my name is Angie, Angie Pillica, and uh, my business handle is Get Peachy. And I've been working in the fitness industry for about 10 to 11 years now. And um, I, as many coaches do, start on the gym floor, but I always knew that I wanted to have a family, which was why I decided to go online pre-COVID, pre-lockdown. And for me, I always envisioned myself kind of going through pregnancy and being a personal trainer and being able to help women at that stage in their life as well. So it's always been in the pipeline. I know we talk about planning and that kind of thing for 2023, but this for me, working with this particular, I don't want to say market, but niche of women has always been in the pipeline essentially. Um, So educating myself on this particular topic and going through it myself is something that number one I really wanted to do but number two is really really important to me the education side of things because it's a minefield um and it really surprises you actually when clients or people get pregnant and the the social influence the influence from you know media and other people can really dictate what you do in that pregnancy um and can often leave leave you kind of self-doubting yourself and be feeling quite unsure of like is this right should I be doing this you know midwife says this blah 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 so gone off on a tangent already but it's a huge passion of mine and considering I did have a very good pregnancy and a very good birth and part of that I do think is because I'm a healthy individual and I was determined to stay healthy throughout my pregnancy before pregnancy you know and be and get myself educated on birth and that kind of thing but also a little bit down to luck because that can happen at the point of birth so because you know you can be the most healthy person ever and then have some kind of complications at birth it can happen so it's just understanding that but yeah there we go I've gone off on a tangent but (laughs) so this has always been something that you have been been mindful of it's always a route that for both personal and professional reasons you wanted to almost bring the two together and I completely understand your your want to experience this sometimes I feel personally when you know without having had a child myself when clients get pregnant you know you can give all the literature in the world you can give all the theory but there's a different dimension to having experienced this yourself mm-hmm. and I think this is really why I wanted to quiz you today more than more than anything else um so Angie your pregnancy timeline you had a hypnobirth with Eric yeah yeah so hypnobirthing is basically a practice it's things that you've put in place to enable you to have a birth that feels positive so that positive for example I was in a group of six women and we were all in a class together um, and our partners went as well to the hypnobirthing sessions three of us had um vaginal births three had c-sections two of those c-sections were emergency and one was planned so from those six experiences obviously there was lots of different births there every single one of us had a positive birth because we put things in place so 
even though emergencies can happen, even though things like a breech baby can happen, you can put things in place to make that experience better for you because it is a one in a lifetime experience. And it sort of should be something that we um, prepare ourselves for because things can happen and things can lead to traumatic births, which can have a huge effect on our postpartum period as well. So it's important that you put these things into place. Hypnobirthing is just a way of like, having a little bit of therapy before before you give birth, you know, creating a really good environment and a nice environment to reduce stress because stress is the biggest influencing factor on having traumatic births. So if you are a very highly stressed individual going towards your third trimester, you really want to adapt and work on that stress because that can have an influence on your birth. Um, I always knew that I wanted to do hypnobirth. <coughs> Uh, a previous client of mine had been to this particular lady, Anna from Rock Your Birth. She's incredible. Um, and you kind of, you can kind of start this from your second trimester. You can, most people do it in the third trimester because that's kind of when you're thinking, oh my God, I've got, you know, I've got to give birth soon. So I did it from 24 weeks. I'm really glad I did it from the second trimester actually because it gave me more time to practice things such as finding a playlist that I really enjoyed um thinking about like aromatherapy oils that I could burn and that kind of thing it gave me more time but you can do it in the third trimester and basically it's like an NCT class so it's a different variation of an NCT class um NCT's birth prep you know you go in you learn about birth this this is what could happen da, da, da. whereas hypnobirthing is a little bit more holistic yeah. um people think it's hip hypnosis it isn't but there are mp3s that provide hypnosis i didn't enjoy any of those mp3s at all didn't use them um and i still had positive births so for me what's coming through as you're you're discussing this is preparation yeah um, both in in terms of knowledge but also practical application is so important is there you know can you prepare too early I don't think so. No, I mean, I wouldn't be preparing before 12 weeks. (laughs) I would get to 12 weeks first and then start thinking about it. And then start. And what do you feel would be potentially the best practices that ladies could embark on in the remit of pregnancy itself to do with training, nutrition? What do you feel are the best practices that we could all generally be um, employing early to prepare for the birth? Um, having a flexible and adaptable mindset is really important because you can plan the best birth ever and things will not go to plan. So being able to, um, know that, okay, this, you know, this isn't going to go the way that I planned it, but this is how I can control my outcome. You know, this is how I can control how I deal with things right now. There were certain things that happened in my birth that I definitely didn't plan and weren't part of the plan, but I still was like, okay, this is the situation that, that I'm in. This is how I can manage my um you know how I feel about this situation right now so I think definitely having a flexible and adaptable mindset and that is the same with training that has been something that carried me through um my pregnancy with exercise knowing that actually going to the gym and sitting on the bike for 20 minutes is better than me sitting at home moping you know because I can't lift the weight because I feel sick so I think really understanding that it's okay to adapt how you train um so yeah Talk to me about the training itself because you're a fit, healthy individual. Training has always been part of your protocol. You lean towards resistance-based training, mm-hmm. which which I know. Um, what were the changes that you had to make 
to those training sessions in line with your pregnancy and throughout uh, three trimesters? So immediately in the first trimester, you will notice breathlessness. And that's one of the first indicators that you're pregnant. I remember walking and trying to record a voice note and sending to a client and thinking, why am I out of breath walking? And it was the winter. So I was kind of like, maybe maybe it's just the cold. Like, I don't know what's going on here. And then my boobs started to hurt. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm pregnant. Um, So breathlessness. This is a great teacher, I think. Your breathlessness can teach you to slow down where you need to slow down. And I think using that as a guide with your training is really important. So for example... If you are doing, I don't know, a goblet squat and at the end of that set, you are completely out of breath. You know, you have gone too heavy, too fast and you've not taken enough um, rest in between your sets. So use your breath as an indicator of how hard you push yourself, because essentially that, you know, that is feedback from your body going, okay, I'm out of breath here. We don't want to take ourselves to be being completely breathless because essentially you're starving excuse me for a better term, but you're starving your body of oxygen at that point. And if you're trying, your body's working very hard to increase oxygen to the fetus, and we don't want that to happen. So moving away from this push, push, push mindset to a, okay, it's almost like, I don't really like this term, but it's a great one to use, training in a deload. So if you take a deload week, you know what that looks and feels like, that is your pregnancy, essentially, you want to kind of Make sure that you're moving, you're um, focusing on, you know, lifting weights, but we don't want to overexert ourselves. But that also doesn't mean that you need to be lifting like three kilogram dumbbells. Like you can still maintain some level of strength, um, but you definitely need to back off a little bit. This was something I wanted to lift the lid on because what often is described, the phrase that's often used is listen to your body. I think that's really hard to categorize what that that feels like though if you haven't you don't know what to be looking out for so breath work is one yeah heart rate as well so if your heart if your heart obviously if your breathlessness and your heart's pounding it's too much you need to slow it down a little bit but in saying that there are people out there who go all the way to six months four months five months pregnant and don't realize they're pregnant and they have continued to carry on training so there are you know discrepancies in that rule however my advice would be if you know you are pregnant just back off a little bit like in the first trimester but completely being honest here with the clients that I've worked with everybody is anxious anxiety kicks in in your first trimester because you're worried you're concerned you know there's all this hearsay about exercise causes miscarriage and that kind of thing which is untrue you know NHS can even provide that you know so you do feel very anxious can I do this should I lie in my tummy blah 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 you know there's a lot of anxiety going on in the first trimester and I do believe that that actually causes a lot of people to back off exercise quite a bit we've also got nausea as well and sickness so if you're feeling nauseous and sick throughout your first trimester that can lead you to backing off exercise so for some people in the first trimester they actually stop training I've got quite a few clients that have stopped training due to the fact that they just physically couldn't however I do think some of that you could continue training but again be flexible and adapt you could look at a walk instead of you know a weight session and adapting that way Angie this is probably a very uh, personal thing to discuss but I think it, from a purely uh, interest perspective uh, when it comes to women and, and miscarriages and women who have potentially experienced this previously there is undoubtedly that um, heightened anxiety around mm-hmm 
putting any stress on your body. What would you say to someone who has perhaps gone through a traumatic experience like that, uh, but wants to still equip themselves to be able to carry their baby and eventually give birth, but has that, that fear? What would, advice would you give them? Know that you've done nothing wrong. I think that is the most powerful advice that I could give because there was a stage in my pregnancy where I had a little bit of bleeding and also I was quite small in my pregnancy. So my bump was small and my baby was growing small. And at one point I doubted myself. Was I doing something wrong? Was I exercising too much? Was I not eating enough? And the sonographer at the scan said to me and she put a hand on me and said, you've done nothing wrong this is just your body. This is just the way things are going for you. And knowing that from, you know, a medical uh, perspective and a professional in that field was really uh, therapeutic to me and really helped me. Yeah. Believe that, you know, it wasn't, it's not my fault that my baby was small. It's not my fault that I'm measuring slightly small and all of these things actually didn't matter when I gave birth because the baby was absolutely fine. But I think just knowing that you've done nothing wrong, like there's so much blame, you could blame yourself for everything. And Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not an expert in, uh, you know, miscarriages or anything, but I think just knowing that advice is is really helpful. Mm-hmm. And the consequence of not uh, partaking in exercise throughout pregnancy, what are the consequences? Should we choose right from the start to say, do you know what, I, I feel anxious around this. It's It's not a risk I want to take. What are the consequences, both to us and potentially our, our baby? So... My thoughts on this are, if you signed up to a marathon, you wouldn't sit down for six, nine months a year and do nothing to train for that marathon. Birth essentially does feel like a marathon. It's hard. (laughs) I've done it naturally. Obviously, I was very fortunate to do it naturally. And can I swear on this? Of course. Fuck me, it's a hard workout. Like, I don't want to talk about pain because, again, with hypnobirthing, you'll learn that we don't talk about pain. However, it's hard work. Like, it felt like the hardest workout of my life. Like, I've literally never felt that kind of strenuous workout ever. Like, okay, maybe I've pushed myself to the limit at some point. But it's like doing your one rep max deadlift about 10 times. It's hard. Like, so I think knowing that, Okay, and preparing myself for, you know, birth can be really empowering. And just knowing that small nudges, small nudges in your training, like just 10 minutes here and 15 minutes there can all be really helpful to maintain your fitness, to um, prepare you for birth, but also not just focusing on birth, focusing on your postpartum as well. So if you don't exercise throughout pregnancy, I'm going to be blunt when I say this, you're at a disadvantage in your postpartum period because essentially you've taken nine months of your life to completely rest and do nothing, had had a birth, which your body then has got to recover from. It contained nine months for your body to recover internally from being pregnant. So there's a lot of things going on that you can definitely do whilst being pregnant to support your postpartum period. And I truly believe that my recovery has been better because I kept up with my exercise and fitness throughout my pregnancy. So I think having that mindset of, I want to heal better, I want to recover better, I want to be more informed about my body in the postpartum period as well. Does training history matter? So you're obviously someone who has a wealth of training experience. Does that play a role in in this? Obviously, if you have exercised prior to pregnancy, you're going to be at an advantage 
of understanding what your body feels like so when we go back to you know just listen to your body if you're somebody who trains you probably have a relative idea of what that looks and feels like especially if you're a female I'm guessing you're female listening to this and you've had periods right you've had a period you felt cranky PMTs kicked in you probably backed up a little bit around your period so having that understanding of what that feels like will really help you you know throughout your pregnancy can you start exercising throughout your pregnancy if you've never exercised before yes you absolutely can however this is where I would say work with a pre and postnatal coach or work with a coach that has an understanding of pregnancy uh, has an understanding of you know the post postnatal period because um if you all of a sudden go from doing nothing to then you know feeling nauseous tired and you've got all of these changes going on and then you started exercising it's going to be quite overwhelming i think so gently does it and um work with a professional i would say yeah i'm just i hop back to it my mom ran with me i think up until very very late but she was just, she'd always been a runner yeah. always so it was it was something that was part of the fabric it was something her body was used to it wasn't an additional stressor and um, but that being said Angie are there some absolute do's and don'ts that we should avoid or mitigate completely when it comes to uh, resistance workouts if you are pregnant are there simply things that you should not be doing um towards your third trimester yes um first and second it depends. Um, obviously, you're going to be growing a bump at some point, so you're not going to be able to do any prone exercises. So, lying down on your front um, when bump starts to show. In the first trimester, you can actually lie on your tummy. Um, it is safe, but in saying that, there's probably some anxiety there around lying on your tummy, so you probably won't want to. Um, also, with lying on your back as well, there are. It depends. With lying on your back, obviously, you're going to be lying on a particular nerve on your back, which they say that can cut blood supply to the fetus and all these different things. However, there are studies that have been done. There's not a lot of studies that have been done on pregnant women because it's, it's, it's deemed as unsafe. But it for a very short period of time, it's not going to make that big effect. This study that was done um, about lying on your back was with women who slept on their back, I believe, and that was for eight hours. So if you're doing some glute bridges where you're on your back for probably about 10 seconds, it you know, it's, it's still okay to do that. And actually, I found... Um, and I'll talk about this in a second, but through my third trimester, I did actually do some exercises lying on my back to reduce what felt like pel a pelvic girdle pain to me. And there isn't a lot of, um, there's a lot of changing advice in terms of pelvic girdle pain. It used to be deemed as like an instability issue. It's not to do with instability. You're not unstable. You're not weak in pregnancy. In fact, your body's really, really strong. It's to do with um, like sensitivity in that area. So if you're highly stressed, if you're um, feeling, yeah, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you've had some previous trauma in that particular area, that can all um, exacerbate pelvic girdle pain. I feel like I've just word bombed and now I don't know where I'm going. No, that's absolutely right. And this leads me back to when I was listening to your podcast and this was completely hammered home the point that I needed someone to discuss this who's been through the process. There's so much jargon. There's mm. so much pregnancy jargon and references to things that I think unless you go through it, you just don't know 
or yeah. you don't experience until you know you are going through the process yourself I remember doubting as well at one point and obviously I'm well informed here but doubting like should I do overhead press because you know the the risk of um blood pressure increasing your blood pressure if you're pressing anything above your head and then I turned back to my education and it is it is absolutely fine I think if you are feeling um you know lightheadedness headaches um, and that kind of thing, then maybe back away from it. But then again, at this point, it might be worth working with a pre and postnatal coach. And that being said, this was something that really interested me was, are there specific muscle groups that it's valuable to hone in on during this time to prepare you? I mean, there's a lot going on, obviously, in the lower body region, uh, but then you're talking about overhead pressing. Are there specific muscle groups that it's really handy to work on during this time to equip you for that birth? Yes, to equip you for your birth and your postpartum. So I'll cover both. For birth, you definitely want to work on your core and pelvic floor. Um, and you can do this. A, a client actually asked me the other day, like, do I need to be doing a specific like Kegel or exercise? I was like, no, you do it through exercise. Like, You can work on your pelvic floor while you're doing RDLs. You can work on your pelvic floor whilst you're doing inverted press-ups, um, elevated press-ups. So definitely working on your pelvic floor strength but also how to relax your pelvic floor as well, because we can go the other way. We can have what's called hypertonic that pelvic floor. Actually, it's a little bit too tight, and that can sometimes then lead to tightness in birth, and then you can't relax enough to allow uh, the birth practice to happen. So definitely working on your core and pelvic floor. Core-wise, doing uh, pregnancy-specific. So there is going to be a point where... Um, there's a lot of kind of weight going through the midline of your body, your linear alba, and diastasis recti will happen, um, and that is the separation of your abs. This happened to me at around 27, 28 weeks, um, and I remember feeling it. It was almost like an itchy feeling above my belly button. It felt tight, and I was like, something's going on here, and I started doing lap pull-downs, and I was like, this is, it wasn't hurting, but it just felt uncomfortable, and at that point, I knew I needed to adapt. So working on your core is really important, but not doing things like sit-ups and planks where a lot of pressure is going to be going through that linear alba and kind of pushing out and essentially doming in that area. So you can do um, stability-based exercises such as dead bugs, um, pull of press. Uh, rotational exercises are really, really good in pregnancy because we feel very, um, everything's very forward. You've got this big bump going forward. You're probably, you know, walking and doing everything in a straight line. Well, actually, rotational exercises can really open up our rib cage and everything that's kind of squashed in pregnancy. So for birth, pelvic floor, core, and also just endurance as well, general endurance in your training. So you can do this through resistance training. Get, you know, maintaining some strength will help you. You know, feeling what um, hard work is prior to pregnancy will help you. <laughs> um, and then for postpartum, uh, oh, I was going to say something really valuable. Oh, your arms, your arms and your upper back. Oh, my Jesus Christ. I literally have been doing isometric bicep curls for about four months, which if you don't know what that means, it's just a bicep curl and doing it like like getting mom strong is for real. Like you need a strong upper back to be able to feed, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, it doesn't matter. Like to carry your baby, they're only light to begin with. But now Eric is about a stone, I think. And that's heavy if you're carrying that for like 
30 minutes in an hour and sometimes you are carrying them for that long so really working on your upper body as well as your lower glutes is going to be really important as well to support your posture so overall like just whole body is really yeah. important but upper body i would say is helpful for postpartum absolutely i'm always slightly envious of mums who have you know, they have the gorgeous arms from simply holding. Yeah. It's just a, a endurance event holding your baby all day, every day. And Angie, do people lose their glutes in pregnancy? Yes. And why? <laughs> I have been that person. I'm now not get peachy. I'm now get pancake. Um, there's a host of reasons. Uh, one, due to posture, but also you're just not training your glutes with as much intensity throughout your pregnancy so if you're taking a constant deload and you're not training your glutes as much there's probably going to be some muscular loss there also when you're pregnant your body is going to be using a little bit of muscle to grow this baby you know um also you will sit on your bum a lot more because you're feeding um yeah and also breastfeeding as well because um breastfeeding requires a lot of uh, calories and sometimes that can take away from the juicy part of your bum unfortunately so yes the mum bum is for real and i'm currently in that stage right now <laughs> it's a real thing um i was gonna ask uh ju judging by the the way that you are the way that you're talking and i know you've trained for for years and many of the ladies who are listening to this will be incredibly driven, will be used to chasing performance in the gym, will be used to achieving personal bests. And there's a psychological adaptation that has to happen here too, isn't there? That mm -hmm. can you talk me through the shift in mindset when you move away from that performance driven and goal orientated style of training to something that for me, when you talk, there's a sense of calm around it. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of appreciation of your body there's a bigger picture that, you know, you're not just doing this for you, but you're doing this for, for the little human that you are, you're growing and with their interests too. How did you feel when you said there, the kind of moving to a constant deload for a lot of women who have done that, I can almost feel them go, Oh my goodness, my, my progress. How did that feel from a psychological perspective? Um, to be honest with you, I had a word with myself earlier on and the thing that the game changer for me was I'm now setting myself up for motherhood, i.e. I know when this baby comes along, I'm not going to have an hour to go to the gym. I'm not going to be able to lift, you know, 80 kilos deadlift. Like, so I think instead of having performance goals, have outcome goals that focus around your postpartum period, like all throughout my pregnancy, I was like... I need to learn how to have this adaptable mindset that 10 minutes is enough, that 15 minutes is enough, that a walk is enough, that, you know, backing out of this workout today is okay because that is what it's going to feel like postpartum. So if I can practice what postpartum is going to feel like now, then that's going to set me up for better. So it was almost like a performance goal, but not as such. It was, it was um, living my future self. So that's what changed for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and post postpartum expectations around that. I mean, I don't know if it's such a thing anymore, but it used to be the phrase was always bounce back, wasn't it? Mm. How quickly do women bounce back? And what's the reality there? What what do women? What are the expectations versus what you've experienced postpartum, time wise, but also how your body felt 
after going through the, the birthing process? So I actually did last year when I just found out I was pregnant. Um, I did a like Google form where I got loads and loads of feedback from lots and lots of different clients and lots and lots of different women uh, who shared with me about their postpartum period. And I'd say a majority of women, it took a good four to six weeks to start to even think about movement most women wait for their six week sign off from the doctor which I don't know if you saw on my Instagram um, the doctor no longer does an internal examination on you whatsoever they will literally just ask you how's your mental health feeling how are you feeling how did your birth go okay let's tick you off so um yeah the the expectations are like you can have to have no expectations that was my mindset I'm not going to put any expectations on me being able to do x y and z I think you've just got to be really open to what what will be will be but also having that kind of positive mindset and uh, proactive mindset that you can start to heal very early on you can start to do things that are going to help you in the future from day three day four you know, focusing on connecting your pelvic floor and your breath, your diaphragmatic breathing, um, doing some gentle mobility, releasing the pelvic floor, especially if you've had a vaginal birth. If you think if you've been pushing for a couple of hours, that kind of thing, that's a lot of stress on one muscle. And if you know what DOMS feel like, you get DOMS, DOMS in your badge. All right. So you uh, can do things that enable you to relax. Um, yeah, I didn't realize that I would feel that. And I definitely did. Um, so you can start quite early on with your postpartum recovery and not a lot. This is, this is the thing that I really want to stress is if you're listening to this, you can start early. You do not have to wait until your six weeks sign up. You do not have to wait until your child is one. The amount of women that I hear, I'll wait till I'm back at work to start doing anything. I'll wait till he's weaning to start doing anything. The problem with that mindset is your body's doing a lot of the recovery in those early stages and you can help it at that point. The more and more you leave it, I'm not going to say it puts you at a disadvantage, but you're at more of an advantage if you take that opportunity earlier on. Also, going through this myself, newborn babies sleep loads. You have a lot of time to sit and watch Netflix, chat to friends, go for coffee. You have time to spend 10 minutes doing some diaphragmatic breathing each day. You have time to do some gentle mobility. You have the time when they're newborn. When it gets to like four or five months, they then want to start being entertained, start to get a little bit harder. So I would actually say those first three months to um, utilize the time that you have really well. I was gonna ask about uh routine my first my first reaction to anything is put a routine in place put a structure put yeah that face and I know you are you're straight to the point you take no bs you're very uh you go straight to the the root of something I know you would try as much as possible to have a routine in place but I'm gonna ask the question that's just not possible is it uh not really uh you can have you can have some routine like one of my really good friends, actually, she used to be CrossFitter, then bikini athlete. She said to me, forget like having a routine of, you know, this is what I do Monday to Friday. Think about the like day to day. Like I get up, it's simple. I know it sounds silly, but simple. Like, I get up and I brush my teeth and I have a shower 
or I have a bath and I put on some clothes, get dressed for the day. All of these things can massively help you with your postpartum period. The first couple of days, you're probably going to spend quite a bit of time in your pajamas because you're bloated, you're uncomfortable, you're bleeding quite a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I was sweating out my eyeballs. It's horrible. <laughs> the hormones kick in. But just simple little things that make you feel better. Maybe you're a lipstick wearer. Put, you know, w- waking up and putting your lipstick on, that kind of thing can really help having, having a, some, some kind of routine. Um, and then as baby gets a little bit older after the first few weeks, you can start to implement some kind of routine with bath time you know having bath time and baby generally goes to sleep around here but it is really difficult in those first few weeks um the idea that you have your baby you bath them then you put to bed just does not happen i think the first six eight weeks we spent watching tv constantly rocking baby up until 10 11 at night because he just was he wasn't fussy but they their digestive system doesn't kick in yet there's all these different things that aren't there for them yet and you kind of have to provide that so yeah do you mean they don't have a button and a setting that you can no, <laughs> <laughs> no. they don't work to a time it sounds to me though it's it's a routine based on almost habit stacking rather than time so we're probably very used to pre-pregnancy running our day via time whereas actually with this it's, it has to be a lot more intuitive did you feel that your uh, the work you did on adaptability equipped you uh, in a better way to to prepare for that yeah the more adaptable that you were throughout your pregnancy then meant when when Eric did arrive you'd been kind of practicing this before yeah I think understanding that this is just for now is really helpful especially just going back to like your first trimester and second trimester your first trimester like I literally ate chicken nuggets crisps ch- cheese sandwiches tuna sandwiches and that was about it for a good four weeks because I just could not bring myself to eat protein. Obviously, chicken nuggets are there, but they're very highly processed. But I couldn't, I could, the thought of eating chicken, actual like looking at raw chicken made me want to vomit. The thought of eating vegetables, salad made me want to vomit. And you have to, you're, you're like, you get pregnant and it's like smack bang in the face. Here, deal with this. And I think you, if you adapt and you're okay with it early on, that will carry you through your pregnancy. If you fight it, you're going to be fighting your whole pregnancy. So if you just know, okay, this is a phase, this is for now. And also, this very much links going back to the bouncing back and that kind of thing. Please don't use pregnancy as an excuse to eat whatever you want. It really, really annoyed me when certain people made comments of, make the most of it. No. Excessive weight gain in pregnancy is a risk factor. And it's not the time to eat what you want. And if you look at like the rate of growth with your uh, fetus, like they literally need like an extra like 10 calories then 50 calories, then, you know, I, I think up into your third trimester, it might be an extra 300 calories, which is literally a sandwich. Like you don't need to be stuffing your face. If people say make the most of it, please ignore those comments, because as I said, excessive weight gain is a risk factor and also nine months you know it takes nine months postpartum to recover and it takes time to lose that weight as well um so yeah this blew my mind the legitimate number of additional calories is tiny it absolutely blew my mind um but Angie, you mentioned there about your food choices in your first trimester i remember the beige phase <laughs> i remember and you just couldn't uh 
I mean, we were talking about salads at the time and you just couldn't no. um, bring yourself to that was a, a nauseous thing that right that was a you just couldn't keep anything anything down but yeah. what is the what is the actual guidance around nutrition during this time versus what you found the guidance i found is do what you can eat what you can because there are some women that experience excessive sickness uh, it's called hyperemesis gravidium gravidium or gravidium hg we call it just for simplicity and um you literally cannot keep anything down i've had a couple of clients that have had experienced this one client was hospitalized because she was six sick 30 times in the space of two days so you do really have to just eat what you can like if eating only rich tea biscuits is the only thing you can stomach then eat rich tea biscuits otherwise it's eating nothing and you don't want to you know not eat anything you still need to fuel fuel your body yes try to make healthy choices but at some point you have to put your hands up and go you know i've i've been a a healthy individual my whole life and to go oh my god all i can literally eat is potato waffles and chicken nuggets right now was weird but i accepted this is a phase i know this is the first trimester this is what it feels like it feels like you've got a constant hangover and it, when you've got a hangover what do you want you want like comfort and crappy food and that changed though into the second trimester yeah it changed for me quite early on actually around 13 to 14 weeks for some women it can go up to 16 weeks or 18 weeks um and again this is where like having an understanding of calories is really important obviously we don't want to cal- we don't want to calorie track in our pregnancy i highly advise against that some women do um but even though i was unable to you know eat my healthy alternatives i was still aware that you know eating a big mac and this and that and that was going to be a huge amount of calories and i didn't need that many calories so you can definitely make lower calorie options but this is now not the time to diet um throughout your pregnancy so we're not actively pursuing uh, a deficit we're not actively pursuing fat loss but there is a fine line between this mindfulness around intake versus the the point you made about that actually actively gain weight is a risk factor so that's such a a it's a difficult tightrope to walk yeah particularly during a time where I'm sure you're thinking about a lot of other things yeah definitely I mean it is tough but again if you just kind of like see it as this is just for now this is just a short phase like you'll fir- it's weird because in your first trimester it feels like the longest time ever because you don't really tell anyone you've got to wait so many weeks for your scan I actually waited the full 12 weeks I didn't have any early scans whatsoever and it feels like forever it feels like and then once you're out of it you forget <laughs> and you're like that was such a short period and actually when it gets to your third trimester that feels like forever as well so um yeah it can it can feel like a minefield but again I think having an understanding of calories prior to to pregnancy is really helpful you know I know that getting you know throughout my first trimester I ate so much toast the only thing I could stomach first thing in the morning was toast and if I didn't wake up and have toast I felt sick so I was like okay I'm not going to buy the thick 200 calorie sliced toast I'm going to buy the 100 calorie sliced toast I'm going to have two slices of that with a bit of honey, and, you know, and making sure that I'm trying to make healthier choices and um, watching the calories I ate, but not to a point where I'm like tracking in the deficit. It goes back to our comment about preparation, though. There's even if you are not pregnant, if you're ever considering being pregnant, 
learn about resistance training now learn about calories now because it's one less thing to educate yourself on in a time that there must be so much information and, and noise uh, bombarding you uh, throughout your throughout your pregnancy mm-hmm. um and what three things do you think women when pregnant should be focusing on um Number one, I've said it quite a few times, having a flexible, adaptable mindset, knowing that things are temporary and things will change, but also having PMA, positive mental attitude and um, thinking about being more proactive. There are too many women that suffer silently in pregnancy and you absolutely do not have to. You can reach out for help. There is support there. You might find through midwives and consultants that they're not that helpful, but there's people like me out here, you know, with pre and postnatal coach, there's pelvic health physios, there's hypnobirthing coaches. There are people out there that can support you. You just have to do your research to find them. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned there about kind of low mood um, during during this time. When you did experience this at various points, was that your first port of call to reach out and connect with other people? Did you have other strategies that you employed during that time to to keep yourself? elevated i know you so i know that you are up here the majority of the time but i think it would be naive to think that it's possible to maintain that throughout the throughout the duration yeah um there's definitely a lot of anxiety that you have throughout your pregnancy there's 100 percent that and also um stress as well can be a factor of have i got enough you know have i got everything and you know so-and-so's got this and so-and-so's talking about sleep routine already and blah 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 and there's a lot of self-doubt that can go on so i think for me, exercise always helps. Like going for a walk, going you know to the gym, getting some movement in helped me psychologically just relax. Um, doing some pregnancy yoga was really helpful as well. Learning about breath work. Breath work will massively help your birth. Um, they say that you breathe your baby out. I say that's bullshit. I did not breathe my baby out, but <laughs> my my vaginal dom said otherwise. Yes, but it definitely helped if I didn't do the breath work preparation that I did do, and um, mindfulness preparation and meditation. I don't know if I would have had the same experience. So yeah, really interesting. So um, would you go back and tell yourself to change anything about your journey per se or is it hard to say that after having such you had such a positive experience you did is it hard to pinpoint any changes you would make it is because I was so adaptable and researched and helped and got help you know we haven't talked about pelvic health physios but I went and saw a pelvic health physio at 20 weeks because I wanted to understand more there was nothing wrong with me I wasn't having any pain I just wanted to make that connection with the pelvic health physio so that when it came to my postpartum I would know who was treating my badge <laughs> and you know and I think yeah so not really the only thing I probably would have said is I would have done more of the relaxation side of my pelvic floor because I was very close to being hypertonic um due to strength training maybe I don't know due to just you know the thing with PTs is we do do things like 110 percent so I was like doing my strength training working on my pelvic floor but 
we probably I probably didn't need to tighten it as much as I thought so I definitely would have gone further um in with like the relaxation side of my pelvic floor but other than that not really like I really loved being pregnancy I had a fantastic pregnancy yes there were times I felt sick anxious and that kind of thing but I just had this flexible and adaptable mindset and it just really helped so this is, it, that's really coming through as something that if someone is even considering that this is their their year, if someone is considering that pregnancy is on the horizon for them, the, the concluding points from here, Angie, there's so much we're taking away that you can prepare in advance. Yeah. Nutrition, yeah. training, working on this adaptability, they're all things that we should be doing. Yeah. Perhaps pregnancy really has heightened it for you. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, I've learned a lot throughout my pregnancy, for sure. And journaling can actually massively help to journal all the way through my pregnancy as well. Um, oh, yeah. Those will be um, valuable to keep forever. You can give them to Eric when he's <laughs> when he's 18. <laughs> Happy birthday. Do you know how you were brought into the world? Um, and how do you feel that it's changed? This is a slightly deeper question. Do you think it's changed your coaching style it's obviously changed you as a person yes to be a, to be a mother it was part of the plan as you said right at the start that it was always something you wanted to experience and how has it changed your either relationship to your body or your relationship with your clients um I definitely have a lot more empathy now for clients that have children especially multiple children I'm like how the hell are you juggling all of that um with coaching clients I used to, I used to very much be, uh, what's the word? Focus on like not being, it's not being perfect. Give me, give me a second. I now want to encourage more women to just move their bodies, to find ways to move their bodies with strength training involved, but not so focused on the specific of you need to be in the gym four times a week for an hour, be doing hinge push pull blah 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 blah. to me now going through pregnancy and you know early postpartum any movement is better like than nothing and the one thing that a lot of women in pregnancy do is they stop exercising because they get too tired they feel sick and the if you adapt and be flexible with yourself, you can continue. 10 minutes really, really does add up. I think the guidance is 150 minutes of moderate exercise per week. Now, I'm sorry, this episode is probably going to go on for quite a while, but towards your third trimester, walking becomes quite uncomfortable. And you might smash out loads of walking and loads of steps in your first and second trimester, but actually it, it's very tiring and that repetitive movement is quite a lot on your pelvis. So find other ways to move. Don't just sit down because the more you sit down, the more tired you feel. You know, it's the treadmill, isn't it? It's that you get stuck in that pound yeah. wheel. Yeah. yeah. Um, so definitely finding ways to pattern interrupt and finding ways as you say the word I think to take away from this podcast is adaptability mm, yeah um Angie I cannot thank you enough for your insight into your experience and, and your expertise in in this field I know it's it's one perspective but I think you've spent so long researching this diving into this getting feedback from clients people you know I I cannot think of anyone who is a is a better hub of knowledge when it comes to when it comes to this and your uh, your beautiful conclusion of, of he's just absolutely gorgeous yeah he's he's pretty he is pretty amazing he's a pretty chilled out baby um 
but he has his moments as well. So. We've had him on a podcast before. We've done a previous recording where he made a, he made a feature. Very chilled. I can absolutely, uh, I can absolutely speak for that. Um, Andy, I ask all of my guests a question at the end of the podcast. If you could remove one thing, belief, practice, or trend from the health and wellness space, it could be pregnancy related or or otherwise. What would it be, and why? Such a hard question. I think, mm, I, I don't know if it's particularly a trend or, I think it's, I would remove like suffering in silence. I think a lot of women get to a point in their pregnancy and they think that's it. I'm in pain. It's just part of being pregnant. It's normal and it's common, but it shouldn't be normal. And I think reaching out for help can be really 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 helpful at that point there is help out there there is support out there you do not have to suffer and I see it too often that people get to a certain stage in their pregnancy and kind of say okay I'm done and it's like there is support there so that that would be yeah what I would say (laughs) and if anyone on that note if anyone did want to reach out to you specifically off the back of this um of this episode from this recording if they've really if you've struck a chord with their experience where can people find you and where can they um where's the best place to reach out to you so um my instagram handle is at get peachy my website is getpeachy.com um and those are the best places to reach out to me or via email as well i'm sure you'll put it in the show notes um but I just want to say to anybody listening that we've only scratched the surface here. There's so much we can cover. Um, and if you really, really are doubting something, please reach out. Like I will literally answer any question that comes to me. And if I don't know the answer, I will tell you, I don't know. These are the people to ask. So please don't suffer in silence. Please don't think you're the only one or grandma's said this and husband said that you shouldn't be lifting this. You should be lifting just reach out to a professional and we will be able to support you amazing Angie thank you so much for your time for your insight I know that the listeners will find this incredibly valuable um whether you are pregnant right now as we said um, or whether you are considering further down the line knowledge is power the more that you know in advance I think is is and I've taken so much from this personally away so a few things that I want to google um but I've definitely taken a lot away from this and you're the first person that I would be going to if um, if ever I was in the position so thank you so much Eric is gorgeous congratulations to you and Brad on on his arrival um and thank you so much for your time thank you so much for having me Thank you, Angie, not only for your time, but for your complete transparency when it comes to your pregnancy journey. I really enjoyed this conversation. It really made me think, it opened my eyes, and I love Angie's perspective. It's this ability to marry together, having gone through the process herself, but also her own expertise as a fitness professional a really unique vantage point and we're so fortunate to have had her on the podcast to to run us through her own positive uh, birthing experience and also her expertise when coaching women through through a similar process so thank you so much the two themes I mentioned this right at the start of the podcast but the two themes that really jumped out to me was this idea of adaptability and being able to 
to work with and to to adapt to unprecedented circumstances to to imperfection and be able to find a, a positive outcome in that circumstance anyone who's ever pursued fat loss or body composition goals knows how important that is and being able to to adapt as we go and also this idea of preparation and I really walked away from this considering my own training and also thinking you really can't prepare for this too early can you and maybe you're someone who you're actively looking to start or to grow your family maybe this is something that you are you're trying to do in the in the short term this year or in the next couple of years or maybe you're someone who is considering being pregnant or having a baby at some point in their life I think to either of those individuals this insight was incredibly valuable and there was a lot to take away I always say this but I believe knowledge is power and the more we know about about what we may need to consider the better so thank you Angie so much for that thank you if you are listening and you've lent us your ears for for this episode I'm very aware that there are some incredible podcasts out there some incredible platforms episodes and presenters so for you to have spent your time and attention with us I will be forever grateful for anyone who does so if you have gotten to this point in the podcast and you enjoyed this recording or particularly if you feel that there's someone in your life who would find the messages that we discussed here valuable please feel free to send it to them and uh, and to share our message or alternatively to give us a a rating on your chosen podcast platform whether it be apple podcasts or spotify or lastly to spend just a few seconds sharing on your social media platform it is the best way for us to grow the podcast so everything that we discussed today will be in the show notes below i will link all of Angie's uh, contact details below too. I'm sure if you have any questions or want to dive deeper into this topic, she will be more than happy to answer those questions. Enjoy your week and we'll catch you next week on the Health Hacks podcast.